Look, you got to get I, that bread somehow. Hey, I'm out here just yeeting the yeast and uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeeting Ye- that yeast. yeast. I love that. Hello and welcome to the Indiana Basketball Podcast presented by the TIS College Bookstore. I'm Ben Portnoy alongside Murphy Wheeler and Cameron Drummond. Guys, we're back. That was the most energy I've heard from you in a long time, considering you woke up five <laughs> minutes before this podcast started. I resent that, but I was also working till 5 a.m. last uh-huh. night, so yeah. I, I I will... Look, you gotta get I, that bread somehow. Hey, I'm out here just yeeting the yeast and... Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeeting that yeast. I love that. Visual. We're big fans of the baking industry here at the Indiana Daily Students. Yes, big big baking people. Huge we baking couldn't do it without bakers. Them, honestly. Anyway, uh, that said, uh, let's talk basketball, <laughs> bread, bread guys. Aside, we have basketball to discuss. Right, we've got a lot of basketball to talk about. Big week. Indiana picks up their first marquee win of the season over number 24 Marquette. Probably the biggest win of Archie Miller's tenure here at Indiana. Uh, Definitely the biggest home win. I mean, d- yeah, yeah. It, it's basically a given that last year was so kind of barren in terms of big results for Indiana that that Crossroads Classic victory against Notre Dame was the only thing that could be considered a signature win for Archie's team in 2017-2018. This year takes him only three games to pick up a ranked win, the first ranked win in Simon Scott Assembly Hall since that UNC game all the way back in 2016 during the Tom or during Tom Crean's final season at Indiana, and also, again, the first ranked win that he's had this season so far. Yeah, and Murphy, you wrote a column about this after the game. What what was your takeaways and just kind of, I mean, what did you see out of this and where do you feel like it, what do you feel like it kind of represents maybe just in the early going? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wrote that it was the biggest win of Archie Miller's career so far. Um, I, I think there could at, be at Indiana, others. Right? At Indiana, yeah, like, sorry. Let's not let's not forget about him taking Dayton too. I wasn't Elite Eight. I think they went to the Elite Eight, eight. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think so far here at IU, this yeah, has been the biggest win. Uh, there's other games down the road that could be bigger wins. Um, but this this kind of means something, I think. This means something a little bit more than what that Notre Dame win meant last year. You know, that Notre Dame win at the Crossroads Classic was, you know, a great win. They looked really good. They they showed the kind of fight that they could have last year. But it really didn't mean anything when it talked about – when we talk about Archie Miller's system, Archie Miller building something here at IU. And I think that's what this Marquette win actually did. I think this is actually the beginning – of him and his system kind of finally coming together all at once. And I think this was the beginning. Yeah, I mean, they give up 76 points, but at the same time, that almost doesn't represent how well this team played defensively um, the other night. I mean, I think kind of what you were saying, Murphy, I think this is kind of like – this almost felt like I, I hate the I hate the phrase coming out party, but it kind of was that right um, in that. Oh, I hate the phrase. Let me use the said phrase to continue the use <laughs> of the phrase. But you, but I but I think it, it's a decent representation of oh, what I'm is, trying to for say. Sure. Um, I, I I think that Indiana. This was the kind of game that for one Archie Miller needed, and at the same time also like it it, it represented the kind of effort, the kind of defense, the kind of dominating performance at home that that Indiana has, you know, raved about and, you know, Assembly Hall is never an easy place to play, but it, it was just one of those games that like it felt like this when Archie Miller came to Indiana, this was the kind of game that they expected to win and that they, you know, that they they really 
well, so, felt so, like they should win. I mean, I, I mean, coming into this game, I mean, I, Cam, we were talking pregame, and I said yeah. I thought Indiana would win this game by ten. I really did. I thought the crowd was going to be. I, I, I went on the record for it. We, I made made my pick, but I, I think that, that I, I felt pretty confident that the crowd was going to get into it, and, it, and they did. I mean, this was the first prime game of the non-conference schedule, and really, it's the biggest home game until probably Big Ten season. Right. I mean, um, no offense to the Louisville Cardinals, but this was going to be your premier home non-conference game. Yeah, absolutely, and and I mean, people got up for it. It was it was a hell of a game. And you know Indiana held <laughs> Indiana held a really really good <laughs> shooting team in Marquette yeah. to forty two point four percent from the field and twenty one point seven percent from three and that's the stat that really sticks out to me. I mean with a pack line defense, obviously you're defending more. You're you're not necessarily extending out and you're almost daring the defense to shoot over you a little bit. And I and I actually thought it was kind of a bad matchup in that sense. Um, but Indiana, I mean, they stepped up. Marcus Howard had 18, but like that, wasn't, that a good wasn't a good 18. I mean, it was right. you know 18 on six of 14 shooting, but one of five from one three. of five from three, five of six from the free throw line. I mean, Marcus Howard didn't play well in this game, and I guess this kind of gets to my next point. Let's talk about Rob Finnessy because my God, this kid had a good game. Yep. Cam, you want to start it off? Well, yeah, so let's take a look at the context that this game was played in. Murphy, you talked about being Archie Miller's biggest win in Indiana. He did it with a shorthanded team because yeah. you had four guys not go for Indiana. Jerome Hunter, who's not going to go for Indiana for the longest time due to an undisclosed weird leg-type injury. That yeah, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Right, he just had surgery at the Cleveland Clinic there in Ohio, so he's going to be out for a long while, probably going to redshirt this year if I had to give my best guess on that. So obviously no Jerome Hunter. The Hoosiers also did not have Race Thompson. He had kind of a concussion-like injury in practice leading up to the game. He probably wasn't going to play too many significant minutes either. So those two guys, not too bad, you know, to, to lose him for this game. Zach McRoberts and Devontae Green being out, those are the two headline makers. Devontae Green in particular because of the way that the guard situation has panned out this season. We've had Rob Finnessy come in and start the first two games. Devontae Green coming off the bench, showing what he could do good against Chicago State, showing what he can do bad against Montana State. With him out of the picture completely, you kind of seeded the guard positions to basically the trio of Romeo Langford, Rob Finnessy, and Al Durham. And in my opinion, the guy who had the best night out of everyone was Rob Finnessy. Well, I, I, I would maybe throw Al Durham in that discussion as well. Well, I think you have to, I guess you have to kind of measure expectations with it, too. This was Al Durham's first significant minutes of the season. He played well, took advantage of his opportunities. Him and Finnessy combined for some really good assist numbers, some very low turnover numbers as well. But I think when you look at Finnessy, he got the initial assignment guarding yeah. Marcus Howard from Marquette. Yeah. And so it's not only the offensive side of things, it's the way he was able to absolutely neutralize Howard on the other end of the court. Because if you look at, you know, kind of the way that the game progressed, Indiana raced out to the 19-4 lead, I think, by the under-16 yeah. timeout. Yep. And Howard had four turnovers in the game. Three of them came in that initial opening five-minute stretch. And I think he had, like, two or four points at that point. Like right, and, Finis and Finnessy was the guy basically responsible for forcing those turnovers and helping lead the Hoosiers in transition offense after that as well. Yeah, they combined, Finnessy and Durham combined for 25 points and 13 re or thirteen assists. That's very good. That's that's pretty and good. And how many turnovers? Uh, Let's see here. One. One, I think it was Durham, right? It was yeah. No, it was Fantasy. Uh, dang it. But, yeah, so, I mean, literally that is the point, though. Yeah, right, I mean, you, you look at those numbers and you think, who the hell thought that those were going to be the guys that were combining right. for you know, 25 well, points, 13. 13 I, I guess Rob Fantasy, we figured, would mix into the, mix into the equation. But, but I, I not this good this early. No, I agree. And I, and I think jumping off of that, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about Al Durham just because this, yeah. this is kind of what I wrote about the last Just because you wrote your story. Well, okay, we I, get it, yes. No, yes, I would like to yes. talk about Al Durham as no, well. No, I mean, this is, yeah. this, this is a guy who I wrote about after the game because I thought, you know, for me – 
Tennessee, they expected to play big minutes, and Tennessee had shown flashes, especially in the first couple of games. We knew the kind of talent he was. You know, he was a top what 100, 150 recruit out of West Lafayette, yeah. out of Lafayette. It's a big coup for this this staff. Um, but Al Durham was a guy that, frankly, coming into the season, I wasn't necessarily. I, I just didn't really know what to make of his role because obviously we've all talked about the depth with this team. That's a you know a kind of overblown narrative, but at the same time, it, it was just I really didn't know where he was going to fit in. And this was the, this was his first test. He was able. He was given big minutes. He played thirty five minutes. Um, that's my, I think that might have been a career high for him in terms of minutes. Oh, in the definitely. Game. There's no um, way they were trying him out there for all thirty five in the I can't, first two. He might have had bigger in that Marquette or Illinois game at the end of the season. I can't remember off the top yeah. of my head. Anyway, point being, he was. Set Second in minutes on this team. He and Romeo Langford played the exact same number of minutes, and they led the team in minutes in this game, which is crazy. But Alderman played a hell of a game. He was flying around on both ends of the floor. I know. I know the couple. The couple of plays that stuck out to me he had that one s- sequence where he knocked down a three off the wing and then hit the the uh, layup in transition. Yep. And that was early. That was that was probably. I think it was about midway through the second that first was, half. I think that was that eight zero run they started yeah. off the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then Marquette calls a timeout right after that that second uh called after that second layup and then on the defensive end he swatted Marcus Howard. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. he sort of sat in his back pocket, waited for him to go up and then uh t- t- took the cookies. Um <laughs> You saw him interacting with the crowd a bit after that as well. Yay. I, mean, I mean this kind of feeds into the narrative. I mean, not to take my turn here, but this is what I wrote about after the game is how <laughs> the crowd energy from Assembly Hall really fed into what Indiana was doing on the court and helped them continue that over the course of the whole game and didn't just isolate it to, for example, that nineteen four run that they started with. But after every one of these plays you're seeing guys kinda of motion to the crowd. Romeo gave a fan in the front row a high five. Durham started yeah, after up. that play he kind of flexed and puffed right. out his chest and started Screaming in the <laughs> screaming into the night. I mean, Jawan Morgan did his thing where he you know makes an and one. And he just kind of stands there and flexes really hard and just stares at the ground like the typical Jawan Morgan type celebration. I mean, Murphy touched on this too. It was absolutely it was loud. bouncing in the stadium. Was loud. The beginning of the game was electric. Holy once, cow! Once Evan Fitzner hit the three to make it nineteen that, four. That's the loudest. I that may have been the loudest I've heard it in Assembly Hall. Me personally, in my four years, I'd I'm say sure the, it's been I'd say louder. The only time I think it was maybe louder was when Indiana beat North Carolina right. two years ago in the ACC Big Ten champ, Challenge. It's they fun. won like won that game by like ten. I was gonna say going into this pod, I kind of wanted to go around at some point and ask everyone what their loudest in their opinion assembly hall moment was because I'm sitting up top there with Seth Tao of Inside the Hall. He had his phone out on a decibel. Yeah. Like it's an app. Yep. And the decibel thing hit 99.4 decibels when Evan Fitzner hit the three to go 19-4 up. So Murphy's got that Holy was the loudest cow. moment ever. That's the loudest I've You've heard. got North I, Carolina. I think that North Carolina game, I think. I wasn't there. I was going so to say, say the OG Ananubi dunk against North Carolina. The alley yeah. that was at, that was loud. Yeah. That was that crazy. Was, that was a wild game. But, but to stay on subject, I, not that that's Super right, off right, subject, right. but to stay on subject, I, I think this was just an interesting game too. But just based on the fact that, like, Cam, you mentioned it, is that this was a short-handed Indiana team. Like, yeah. they showed the depth. I I really thought that Indiana was gonna come in and win this game, but then when you looked at all the guys who were out, and when we got the news that both Devonte Green and Zach McRoberts, and they were, were out, like game time decisions. They this were wasn't something they planned for ahead of time, right? And both are now listed as you know out indefinitely. But yeah. at the same time, like. When when I heard when we got the news that both those guys weren't going to play, I kind of thought I was like, all right, well here we go, because because those are I mean especially Zach McRoberts is probably your be- is your best defensive player, not even just ne- maybe best defensive guard, um, and Devonte Green's an experienced piece. We have you know we've talked about him at length, but um, and that was just one of those things that was like, all right, you lose two guys of that nature, especially older guys. 
in a game against a team that shoots the freaking lights out. Right. Um, it, it just it kind of st- it struck a chord with me in that I I, I, I made me a little bit worried on where this team. Oh, was I was worried. And you know yeah. we've talked about this team. We can say this team has depth. This team has depth. Right. But they, they showed. They, they, they finally they, they showed, showed it. it. They magnified it. Whatever That's... iteration of the word you want to use. This team should flash the incredible depth that they have. If you get this team healthy, you throw Jake Forrester back in there. Top or Jake Forrester, uh, <laughs> Jesus, Zach McRoberts, there we go. Devontae Green, <laughs> and uh, Jake Forrester, perfectly healthy. We think. <laughs> yeah, as long Jake, as he eats vegetables. Jake Jake Forrester is healthy as far as uh, as far as we know. But <laughs> anyway, you you get this whole team healthy, and you're really gonna see like. It blows my mind that this team could actually be have more depth. Jerome Hunter is who I was referring to in a moment there ago. Sorry go. about that. There we right. go. Words are hard. Um, <laughs> it's it's Friday morning. Um, anyway, but no, I mean, you, you get Jerome Hunter back. You get Devontae Green back. You get Zach McRoberts back. That's that's a lot of pieces to get yeah. back. And if you, already, if you see that on top of a team that just went and beat the number 24 team in the country, and I'm not trying to overstate this game because I think it was a real – but I, it was a really big win. It was – like we said, I think it was the biggest win. Of, and I think we all agree that it was probably the biggest win of RG's tenure, at least at home. Um, you get those three guys back to a team that just beat that caliber of team by 23 points, 96-73. I mean, and this game wasn't close from the beginning. No. 23 p- points – I mean, this game could, might as well have been a 40-point game. Right. That just shows you what this team might be capable of. And that, that's why the win was also really big, was because it, they did show that depth. We talked about it a ton. We've talked about how they could have depth. Well, they finally showed it, and this is the kind of game that they absolutely needed to show it because, obviously, those guys were out. And Durham and Fitzer were the biggest part of that, obviously. Um, we haven't even talked about Fitzer yet. I mean, well, I was gonna say it's with a rice six for seven and four for four from three. I was gonna say it's with a rice smile on my face, but the depth we're talking about getting guys like Quentin Taylor and Johnny Jager minutes at the end of the game could be really key. How about you no, stop? Just, how about you stop? But now? how about that? How ludicrous is it? The fact that I put I put this on Twitter like if I told an Indiana fan that Johnny Jager was gonna play against Marquette oh, for any I didn't stretch of time, that. people thought something would either have gone ridiculously good or ridiculously bad. Well, I mean that's. I mean, that's why he plays. Right. But yes, but that feeds into the notion of this wasn't just a win over a quality Marquette team at home, you know, to get everyone energized to start the season. This was a blowout. This was a spanking. This wasn't anything close. And now let's let's feed that into the Evan Fitzner talk. Yeah, the dude changed the course of the game. No, he really did. Yeah, this I mean, is he this came is what he got brought in shots. for. Right. This is what he's. This is what Evan Fitzner was brought at from St. Mary's to do is knock down threes. He sure as hell did that, <laughs> and they didn't have and they didn't have that kind of piece last year. No, they That's really didn't. Why he's... I, and Evan Fitzner is an interesting piece in that he he's not your stereotypical knockdown shooter. He's not a Nick Zeislav type, you know, that six two, six three, six right. four guard. He's six gonna shoot. ten. He's six yeah. ten, but he goes four for four from three, six of seven from the field. He was able to hit hook shots. He was able to bank in some. And shots. I think the one shot he missed was he got fouled on. I can't remember exactly off the top. Right, of he was able to. Make no, he wasn't. Rather, he, but he was able to make his free throws. He yeah, he was. I mean, a, he did. He didn't shoot any free throws, well, but I I, I, I misspoke. But either way, in the past he's made free throws. Right, right, so, definitely. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right, and and I think the point is that you know Evan Fitzner is the complimentary knockdown shooting piece that this team desperately needed, and. Even for Indiana standards, and like you know, Archie Miller said, this isn't a team that wants to shoot a lot of threes. They went nine of twenty from the three-point line. Um, Marquette, who is a significantly better shoot three-point shooting team, went five of twenty-three. So I, I mean, 
they're shooting almost 50% from 45% from the three three point line. I mean, that that bodes well. And you know, it's not going to happen every night and this team's going to struggle shooting the ball, don't get me wrong. They they're going to make their they're going to make their money at the rim, but I, if they can find if Evan Fitzgerald's knocking down two, three, four sh- shots a game from three, that's that's going to bode well for this program. And, and if you can count on him to do that too consistently, because we've talked about you know kind of what a what a surprise like we knew Rob Finster was going to be good, right? Yeah. But we're still a bit surprised at how he's able to learn so much, absorb so much, and play at such a high level three games into his college career. I would argue almost that what Evan Fitzner's doing is a bit more difficult because he came here for one reason and one reason only to shoot the ball and to make three pointers. And everyone knows when he's on the court, his role is to shoot the ball and make three pointers. <laughs> yeah, true. that's the thing. It's, it's not like an, okay. how is Marquette not taking him away? It's a, I, they did not do a good job of taking him out of the game. No, right? and I know that one the one shot that stuck out to me when I was watching that game. Well, he was pulling was, from all over the court. I, I think too. it was, was the I think NBA it was the threes. second three hit from the top of the key. Top of the key. Was I mean, oh. he was like six feet behind the three yeah, point line. Deep, I mean, yeah. that was an NBA that was NBA range, and he, I think I tweeted that he hit that shot from Martinsville. But <laughs> I, I mean, like he, this kid is for real, and like you know, you kind of get the. It's not that I don't buy into the hype of you know guys that are six ten being able to shoot the ball, but it's it's a different thing to see it in person. You know right. what I mean? Just because I, I think that uh, you know you grow up with the stigma that big guys play around the basket, and it's obviously changed, the game is changing today. But but I think that there's kind of the stigma that big guys aren't necessarily shooters. But God, this kid shot the lights out. I mean, four four for four from the three point line. Um, that was that was really impressive to me. Sixteen um, points in eighteen minutes was in foul trouble. Yeah, yeah, he fouled out of the game. Yeah. Did he foul out? I think he had no, four he had four. He he had four. four. No, he had five at the de- tail end, no? No, you're right, he didn't. I thought it was him. But they was, took him they, out when he well, got what was yeah, crazy? No, he, they, they put him back in about eight minutes left in the game when um, when he had four fouls, so you're thinking mm. he's going to play really reserved. No, that's when he made his fourth three-pointer of the game. He was still pulling with four fouls and still, I mean, obviously. Now he needs to stay out of foul trouble. Right. You know, that's I, mean, that's part. Not, I mean, that's the thing Archie Miller kind of touched on post-game as well as talking about. You know, obviously he praised him and gave him his accolades, which are duly deserved for his shooting performance. But he did mention how he has to get better in and around the basket, especially yeah, that's defensively. Where, that's where it was happening. Because yeah. if you get if you get him in foul trouble, I think he had three fouls at halftime. That happens against you know a Big Ten opponent. Maybe you're a bit more hesitant putting him back in the game. And if you lose him, you lose such a significant weapon on offense. Yeah, that's where I noticed him getting a lot of his fouls. Was down there, down low. Whenever they tried to attack him down low, when he was on defense. Uh, even when he was going for rebounds, he he made some stupid decisions a couple times. And you don't want him to like. I guess I mean you obviously want someone in there who has the offensive skill set that he has, and he's not terrible defensively. He's just you know obviously not, he's as not good great defense as good on defense as he has on offense. But you don't want to just throw a guy in there whose only like role is offense, right? Like you can't sacrifice that on the defensive end. I think right. too. I was kind of impressed by his post game. I thought that you know Archie, Archie Miller said it was an underrated post game, and I think that's the perfect way to describe it. I mean, he's not going to be a guy who's going to you know body people underneath. He's not Jawan Morgan. No, but he's got some nice touch around the rim, little hook shot here and there. Um, I, I I thought he played. A really good game. I think kind of the last thing we'll get to here with uh, with IU and uh, this win over Marquette, the Golden Eagles, I, I, the Golden Eagles, and it's not that it's not that Marquette's not. I, I think this is a good Marquette team. I think they're going to be a tournament team. I think they are probably going to be a top twenty-five team most of the year. We'll see what the Big, big East is because obviously the Big Ten definitely uh, throttled the Big East. So yeah, we'll get to that in our next segment. Basically, yeah, talking we'll about the evisceration of the Big East conference. Yeah, my God. Um, the Big but Ten we'll, and the we'll, we'll, we'll get to that big picture stuff in a second. But I, I just like another guy that I thought might have played a bigger role, but was a little bit quiet outside of that one dunk that brought the house down was Justin Smith. Yeah. Um. It's not that Justin Smith has to score a lot of points because there's a hundred different guys on this team who can score. 
I think I was just surprised that I thought he was limited. He played 21 minutes, had eight points, three of four from the field, two of two from the free throw line. I just, if he had six rebounds. So he, he kind of had a very Justin Smith-like effort in 21 minutes, but for whatever reason, it just felt like he was quiet. And I think he's a, I think he's one of the better shooters on this team, and he didn't take a single three on three tonight or the other night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that a lot of that played in the part of, you know, everybody. a lot of these other guys were, you know, scoring a lot of points. Absolutely, They're having yeah. good games. Um, but they, I, I thought Marquette did a pretty good job on him as well. I think they may have focused on him a little bit more than a few of the other guys that they didn't focus on, uh, which came back to bite him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if I would look too much into it just because it, it wasn't like he played bad. You no, know? eight point no, no, no. six rebounds is not a bad. No, it's a great game. It's a good effort and right. Short and it's what they needed. Time. You know, you sure. know what I mean. So I, I think he still played a good part. You know, I would like to see him step out and shoot a little bit more. Um, that's still a part of his game that needs to grow more. That he needs to be more comfortable with because we already know how athletic he is, how good he is around the rim, good defender, um, but underrated defender, but. Still, he needs to develop that outside shot a little bit more while everybody else. But then again, everybody else is taking shots from out there as well. Yeah. So maybe they don't need that. I, mean, I don't the thing know. Is when you have, Juwan, I mean, Morgan took four that's, threes. Well, that's the thing. I don't think you want Juwan Morgan taking four threes though. Or three threes. Uh, so he took, I, I don't know. I think I, would, I was I think okay with pretty, that. I think Morgan's a pretty good shooter. I thought he took some pretty good. I think Morgan's a smart shooter, and then he, t- yeah. he picks his spots. He takes the, he at, takes smart. At shots. least what you don't want is Deron Davis pulling up from. Well, no, you don't want from, from the top of the <laughs> key. Top of the key. Which he did once, and Cam and I both looked at each other and kind of chuckled. No, no offense to Deron right. Davis, but we obviously know he does his money. That ain't his, it, bro. Gets it right. On, gets he his gets uh, that bread. He gets his bread <laughs> under the basket to bring look, it full circle. Look at that! Right before break, we're coming at full circle with look at the that. bread. That's that's how you do it. That's Real quick, what's our favorite breads, Murphy? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Well, there's types of bread. Just I'm a, I'm, I'm bread. honestly I'm a wheat bread fan. Oh, I, I lo- like white. I like bread. wheat bread. Of course, you like white bread. What's you're that so, supposed to mean? You're so plain. You're so boring. I love French bread. That was that was rude. I'm leaving. I, Murphy, French, Murphy, I appreciate you. I'm leaving. French bread is good. Also, like the the Subway bread where it's um the herbs and cheese. Okay, uh, that's okay. pretty good. That slaps. That's pretty good. Good, good. Well, we didn't even talk about Romeo Langford who had 22 points, but yeah, whatever he gets his. <laughs> anyway, we know what he's gonna. We we know what he's capable. The of. least surprising anyway. thing of that game was low Romeo key. Langford Romeo scored 22, 22 points. Yeah, points. I said I said before the game I thought Romeo was gonna could score 25 in this game and. Uh, he, he almost just, did it. Just in the need of throwing Romeo a quick, a quick bit of love, his dribbling and ball control when he gets into the lane and cuts inside <laughs> is a thing. Um, come I, by, come I really, come I really didn't know he was that good of a finisher. I knew he's great, obviously, but I was, I was very impressed. It was the first time I saw it in person. Yeah, that's how. how Good, this kid is in and around you, the you also, I, you also the, saw the body go away at the free throw line for him last, or last night, Wednesday and, night too, which was nice to see. And the body control around the hoop, body control is great. It, it, the guy, f- just like it's so graceful watching him cut through the lane and indeed sit, it, sword to the hoop. Anyway, we're gonna take a quick break here at the uh, Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS Bookstore. We'll catch you on the other side. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. And we're back here on the Indiana Daily Students Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS Bookstore. I'm Ben Portnoy. Alongside me, Murphy Wheeler, Cam Drummond. Hello. Thanks for taking a quick break. 
Uh, guys, let's talk about the, uh, in in Cam's words, the evisceration of Indeed. the Big East <laughs> in the Gavit yes. games. Um, this was outside of Indiana's win. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit big picture here. Obviously, Indiana gets the 96-73 win over Marquette right. on Wednesday. Um and this, and that this was, was that this was, was on the second day of the Gavit games. So yeah, the Gavit games, the Big Ten conference versus Big East conference kind of yeah, yeah. non-conference battle. And there were some games before Indiana's as well. Yeah, definitely. And this this obviously stretches from uh, last Tuesday till uh, today, Friday, when we're recording this podcast. Which we will. We're, we're, let's just be honest about. It. We're going to we're going to ignore St. John's at Rutgers um, for various. St. John's reasons. is going to beat them. I will. <laughs> I will go out on a limb there and say that. Yeah. Anyway, so it's uh. Anyway, so while we're recording this podcast, uh. Seven of the eight games have been played. Correct. The the uh, Big Ten has won five, six. Did I count that right? Wisconsin is one win. Michigan is two. Nebraska, five of seven. Five of seven. Indiana, five of seven. Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, five of seven. There we go. Mass hard. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Indiana or er, Indiana, the Big Ten has won five of seven games. Um, obviously the Big East is not you know the old Big East. The uh, as 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 people can see in that that thirty for thirty that what anyone anyone the requiem for the Big East great I didn't great, watch it but I know it exists great great thirty for thirty <laughs> good good watch on your guys' six hour drive to Michigan I suggest it well neither of us are driving so we do have that ability anyway um, no this is not you know this isn't your uh, your mom and dad's Big East but this is a Big East that has you know Villanova's a defending champion two out of the last three years. They got absolutely demolished by by a Michigan team that, frankly, I thought was going to be good, but did not think was going to be that, right. this that was, good. That was right before um, the Indiana. They brought game. in another Mo Wagner, <laughs> Brazdikas, or however you say. Yeah, um, this is uh, yeah. It seems like every year uh, Michigan's got another, one of those kinds of guys. 27, 27 point win at Villanova. That one hurts if you're the well, Wildcats. You look at the, you look at the Michigan not, stat sheet real quick. Too. They got two guys averaging sixteen points a game right now. Charles, That's Charles Matthews. Good. Charles Matthews is probably the best. I think outside of Carson Edwards might be the best player in the conference. So um, this this is a Michigan team that clearly is uh, not necessarily rest, has restocked rather than uh, rebuilt as as I thought they might be this year right. a little bit. Anyway, Nebraska picks up a really nice win at Seton Hall or at Seton, Seton Hall, eighty to fifty seven. Yeah. Indiana wins by twenty three. Uh, Ohio State beats Creighton and, by nine. And Ohio State went on something like a 16-0 run to end that game after being down right around the under four timeouts. So yeah, that was a I really mean, really nice comeback. Win yeah, Wisconsin ends up with beating Xavier by nine, and obviously at that Xavier. and I, at Xavier, and obviously Xavier, not ex Xavier, Xavier. I don't care. I'm Xavier. gonna keep saying it. And <laughs> pronunciation aside, obviously Xavier's a team that Chris Max now at Louisville. It's a, it's an interesting. Uh, Thing there. Maybe you see an Archie Miller type year there, like last year, where they take a year to figure stuff out, just like Chris Max going through at Louisville. Looks yeah, like. exactly. Anyway, so and the only close, game, really, the only super close yeah. game was that DePaul Penn State game that Penn State dropped in overtime. So, for, I think it's pretty fair to say the 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 Big Ten dominated this stretch, and I think that I, let's talk big picture here, guys. I mean, when you look at something like this, I guess how. I mean, for one, I was not. I thought the Big East, the Big Ten, Big East, Big Ten rather, was going to be down this year. I thought there wasn't really necessarily a national champion contender um, outside of maybe Michigan State. Um, I thought, I thought Indiana had a lot of pieces. They're coming together. I thought Michigan might be a little bit down just sort of based on who they lost last year. Um, Wisconsin's Wisconsin, but obviously they're with Greg Gard. It's what his fourth year now, I think. Yeah. Um, they're they're starting to see what he what he can do as a as a head coach. But I, I thought this was going to be a kind of middling year for the Big Ten, and I mean they come out and put out a statement like that. I guess what does that show for the rest of the season? And how much can that something like that pay off down the stretch? Well, for one. I think it does show the Big East is a little down. Um, and I would tell you it's still early, so it's hard to you know take anything away from it right now. 
But it does. I do think it shows the Big Ten is a little bit better than I think I expected it as well. Um, I mean, they've got some good. I mean, these guys, these teams are not bad. I mean, I thought I knew oh, Wisconsin would yeah. get you know better this year. Um, Ethan Happ, I think, is maybe the best player in the conference. Yeah, Ethan um, Happ. You know, and then you have Michigan, who's better than I thought. They brought in some new pieces to you know take over. You're some guys about twenty-seven point road win on the campus of the defending national champions. Too. That's about as good of a win coming. as you can get. I really, it is. Certainly did not see that coming. Jordan Poole's coming into his own too after that game-winning bucket he had last year. I think he's going to be a stud for them too. And don't I, sleep on Nebraska. I think there. of all these wins, the Nebraska one is the most fascinating. Yeah, and it's perhaps, intriguing. Perhaps the biggest one because look, we're going to kind of assume Indiana was going to make the tournament. The same thing with Michigan as well. I mean, we didn't expect them to fall, you know, off the cliff that much. Sure. With Wisconsin, you kind of expected to take a step up at least just with they, what they brought back. Right. Nebraska was that team that was kind of left on the cutting room floor from the NCAA tournament discussion last year. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to start the season out, you know, setting the tone with a 23-point win against Seton Hall, you know, that... James Palmer. Even if they don't, you know, have an elite-type season, that's one of those wins if Seton Hall pans out okay that you look back on in March and you can point to a big flashing arrow like, hey, look at what we did, guys. Look at this. Yeah, I think, and I I will preface it in that I think Seton Hall lost some pieces. Angel Delgado was obviously— Delgado was was there for a decade. Yeah, he was kind of the heart and soul of that team, and obviously he's he's often graduated. But, um, no, I think think this is kind of a statement win for a team like Nebraska— Tim Miles is kind of in a make or break year. He's definitely on the hot seat if this team doesn't doesn't get to the big big dance. Mim Tiles. Um, Sorry. God. That 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 Must one be. hurt. That one hurt. Anyway, um but no, at Big 10 Media Day, I remember Tim was talking about, you know, basically that this team expects to finish top 4 in the conference this year. Um that or top 5. I mean, that's the, that's a and that's a goal for they them. They may be the fourth best they, team in the conference. That's actually. a realistic goal outside. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think you Fourth have. Fifth, I think you actually. have Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Michigan State. That's going to be your top five in the conference. Yeah. I think Ohio State could creep in there. I think Ohio State falls back down to earth a little bit this year with in Chris. Right. They're very kind of middle of the. Yeah, I think I think Ohio State will be fine. I think they won't be as good as they were last year. But anyway, I think I think this is a. You you look at this team. You look or this team, Nebraska. Uh, you look at this conference, and I think I think this is a con- this is a year where Nebraska has a shot to make a little bit of noise. I think they've got got some guys. Um, and I think, like I said, Tim Miles is, in, to some degree, coaching for his job. Right. Um, so I, I think that to start off the season like that for uh, for the folks in Lincoln, it's a uh, it's a reassuring win. And then well, well, I, we haven't even talked about one of the biggest wins, which wasn't in the Gavit games, but Iowa beat Oregon, oh, number last, thirteen, yeah. Oregon. Yeah. yeah, that was huge. That's in the Empire Two K Classic at Madison Square Garden. I, that's a terrible name, but. But that's a huge win for Fran McCaffrey's yeah. Iowa team. Oregon was ranked number 13 yeah. at the time of the victory. And, again, it wasn't like kind of similar to all the Gavit games. Um, games, no better way to describe it that were played. It's not like that was, you know, a back-and-forth type game that was the side of the final buzz. No, Iowa kind of controlled the pace of that game, was up, you know, I think 10, 15 points early in the second half and just kind of, you know, rode it out the rest of the way for the win. It was a very mature performance from them. Fran McCaffrey's – probably coaching for his job at this point too i would say yeah i was gonna say if they don't perform this year is it finally the thing that's the the nail yeah. in fran mccaffrey's proverbial there's, coffin i mean fran mccaffrey has been at iowa for like a hundred years well, you can, but there's, you can also, a, there's a lot of guys on the hot seat in the big 10 this year yeah yeah I think mark turgeon at maryland isn't safe yeah. uh you know what do you richard patino at minnesota is not safe at all well, here's a team Pat chambers uh, at penn state uh, see, here's a real interesting team that i don't know i kind of know what to expect from this year but in terms of coaches being on the hot seat Chris Collins at Northwestern, 
Yeah. That NCAA tournament birth feels like a long time ago. Although they it, did just renovate Welsh Shrine Arena, they, so I don't know if you want to keep a coach around, you know, for the continuity right. sake. When I think going. I don't think he's on the hot the seat. I mean, he took Northwestern in the tournament. Like I'm just right. saying, like, like you ha- do that. But like I think after how long does the honeymoon period? You talked about this new Devontae Green comment with the diabetes <laughs> thing again. The honeymoon period of you know the warm and fuzzy feeling. How long yeah. does that last? Well, until... that's not how the honeymoon period. Well, you know what I mean. Like, okay, works, Northwestern's fine. bad again. That's what I'm trying to say. Northwestern is bad at basketball again. How long is it going to be till people get? Well, fed up that I don't know. I think, I think they finish. Off, was... I think they'll finish in the middle portion of the yeah. I think last year was different just because McIntosh was hurt for most of the year. Right. You know they were battling a lot of different injuries and stuff so i think they i think he gets a little bit of a you know gets a little relief for last year this year it's a rebuilding year so i think you got to give him two or three more years before you really i guess you do still have vic law and it's northwestern they've never been good like this is the best this is the best northwestern has ever been they're good at football now too apparently well, they've been good at football in the past. God, but that is going to be the worst Big Ten championship game. Sorry. Yeah, Northwestern That's... Indiana. Yeah, it's going to be awful. Okay, man. all right. The, the <laughs> thought, the thought of watching schools th- going at it in Indianapolis. The thought of watching a what six and six potentially or seven and six Northwestern team play yeah. for a play for a Rose Bowl is actually absurd. Seven and five probably would be would Northwestern be Wazoo and the Rose Bowl make it happen. I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of Wazoo. Gardner Minshew has the best facial hair in college football. <laughs> Uh, um, let's go to Richard Pertino real quick. So, yeah. you think he's on the hot seat in Minnesota? Oh, absolutely. I think if he don't, they don't make the tournament, I think he's out. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he came into his – it was his second season, maybe his third, I don't remember. Well, last year they came in ranked in the top 15 in the country. I mean, yep. they had and a they great just, start to the season. And they just blew it. Now, they had the whole thing with Reggie Lynch. That was terrible. Yep. Um, but I think that hurts him more than anything. That hurts Patino because he doesn't have control. Of the, I mean, that could be seen as him not having control of the program. They sure. do already have a nice non-conference win this year. They took down Utah 78-69, yeah, which is— They're not a bad team this year. They really aren't. They've got a lot of pieces coming back from last year, too. I mean, people, was, this was a really young team yeah. last year. People yeah. forget, you know, people are going to just kind of cast them aside after they kind of just blew it after being ranked last year. Right. And now they've got a lot of the pieces, like you said, back. They're not going to be a bad team. They could be a top six, seven, eight team. You look at you look 10. at their upcoming schedule too. They play Texas A and M. They play Washington. They play. They go to Boston College. They play at home against Oklahoma State. Those are some pretty decent non conference. It's a, it's a teams. hell of a non conference. None of those teams slowly. are really like elite type non conference opponents. Yeah. But those are the teams that they're going to finish between fourth and sixth in their respective conferences. And if you can pile up, you know, three or four wins against those opponents come tournament time, that kind of adds up, builds up your RPI a bit to where you slot in as maybe you know a tenth seed or some twelve seed that's in a play in game or an eleven seed. Or something I'm like just that. looking at you know the Big Ten right now and just all the teams that we've talked about. The good thing about the Big Ten this year is just how competitive it could, it can be because I think I think minus maybe three teams will take out Rutgers, Penn State, and Illinois. Are we gonna take out Brad Underwood? You're- we are. Now they're getting better. They've got a lot of guards. I mean that team better. has more guards than like Brooklyn, but right. <laughs> they're getting better, but. You take out those three teams, pretty much any of those rest of those teams could beat anybody on eh, any given I, night. I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna throw Penn State into that group. I didn't, I took Penn State. Oh, out. I wasn't listening to you. Yeah, I took Penn State out. Minus Sorry. those three teams, it's pretty. It's pretty close, and I think any of those teams could finish anywhere in the top six, seven, eight of that group. So you mm-hmm. meant, So we've kind of gone through the conference. I mean, you look at it. The Big Ten has wins over Utah. They have wins over the ranked Oregon team. They have thrashings of probably the top two teams of the Big East of they Marquette, have Marquette, a heck and of a win Villanova. against Chicago State. Uh, but right. we're not going to go there. They've got Sorry. those wins. Um, Wisconsin gets the win at, at Xavier. Uh, Xavier. Nebraska's Goodness. got the <laughs> Nebraska's got the win 
at Seton Hall. Home against Seton uh, Hall. That was in, yeah. that was in corn country. Oh, that, that's uh, that's a lot of good wins. I, and I think that Oregon win will look better towards the end of the year. I think Oregon is probably – I think Oregon's, Oregon's not – I think a good team. I think Oregon's going to be yeah. one of the top two teams in the Pac-12. Bowl, bowl out there. Bowl, bowl. And even the teams that haven't had, you know, a signature non-conference type game yet, you're looking at Purdue, you're looking at Michigan State. Purdue plays Davidson tonight. That could be an interesting game. Right. Purdue may Davidson's have like an early In Charlotte. Game. Yeah, Purdue That's has a good chance of winning the whatever the the Charleston Classic, whatever tournament they play at the College of Charleston. Yep. Um, Maryland hasn't really played anyone yet. At some point, Purdue is going to go to Texas. They'll have a. They're going at number fourteen, Florida State, and they'll and have they're get the cross, beat. and they'll have the Crossroad Classic game in Indy against Notre Dame. And Maryland plays UVA in two weeks. Holy so. cow! Look at Purdue's stretch here for a little bit. Yes. At Florida State, at Michigan, Maryland at home, at Texas, Notre Dame at home. Wow. Yeah. That's a tough stretch. And they're right not there. playing super bad cupcakes either. Like their cupcakes are like Ohio, Belmont, and Robert Morris, which is all of those the worst teams. They played Fairfield first game of the year. Yeah, but, but you're gonna well, have one or two of those with every team. I, I think State. Purdue, Purdue's been solid in the early going. I still think that Purdue and the, I still personally think Purdue's overrated. I, I think do that, too. I think Carson Edwards might be the best player in the conference, but I think outside of that, I think they. Don't have a lot left. I think. I think this is a team that Harms could, is a good player. You, but. Harms is good, but I, but you look at that stretch. I mean, that is a stretch that Purdue could get beat up a little bit. Um, Tying this back to Indiana real quick. What's going to be a very interesting comparison type game is December eighth, five p.m. Wisconsin visits Marquette. Yeah, that's a good measuring stick in in that you'll see where this game ranks. Because I think, okay, if you're an Indian fan, you're rooting for Marquette in that game. Right. Yeah, you don't I, want Wisconsin to beat them. Right, and I think you Even also, though Wisconsin could be a very good team by the end of this year. Right. I mean, that just makes your Marquette they could be a ranked team. Right. I think year. you also look at it in, as, as you know, Indiana. I, well, I would say also this. I mean, Marquette's a team that lives and dies by the three to some extent, I think, and they shot the ball really poorly against Indiana. Winning in Assembly Hall is, fr- I, I frankly think Indi- Assembly Hall is probably one of the five hardest places to play in I college basketball. I think Indiana has a real and good I, chance of going undefeated at home this year, just as a yeah. No, I think that's true, and I think and I think that it'll be interesting because I think there's not, and we've kind of mentioned it, all the wins that the Big Ten has, all the sort of uh, the coaches that are on the hot seat. There's a lot going on with the Big Ten this year, but I think also too, there's not that. Big a gap between sort of the middle of the conference and the top of the conference. You know, you look at a right. team like a Nebraska, who is has played really well. They've got their win, whatever. Um, but it, it, it kind of that. Let's say Nebraska is the fifth best, sixth best team in the in the conference. I can see Nebraska go and beat Michigan State at home, like beat beat Michigan State in Lincoln, the team like right. which who, right. a Michigan State team that I think is probably the top of the conference. Um, so or even in Michigan, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I just think that's something that's interesting to me is that I, I don't think there's that much separation between say one and five. I mean, I think I think in Michigan State's a definitely a better team, but I don't think it's insane the amount of space between that that you would see with a normal you know one to five uh, right. comparison. Yeah, another good early season matchup to watch, kind of to get a gauge of how good this conference is. Is speaking of Nebraska, they visit number nine or current number nineteen Clemson. Uh, right around Thanksgiving time on November 26th on the road. So, again, very similar to... It's a Clemson team that plays some good defense. Right, very similar to some of these other road and conference games we're talking about for Big Ten schools. If you can go on the road, pick up a ranked win early. That vault drop into the polls to the point where when Indiana starts you know, really going through its Big Ten conference schedule right at the beginning of January, you could be seeing you know four or 
five teams from the Big Ten just sprinkled in between the 15 to 25 mark of the conference of or excuse me of the AP ranking. I mean, you'll have you know the Michigan State kind of hovering at the top like we expected to go into the season, but you could have a couple other teams just kind of you know lower ranked teams that you pick up those wins, you get those RPI points, you you know put that in your back pocket for tournament time. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. That's no. That's that's Congrats. a good point. So um, anyway, Thanks, this is uh the Big Ten's in a good spot here. Uh, we're gonna learn a little bit more this weekend. We didn't really talk about it because of when this podcast will drop. But Indiana plays Arkansas this weekend. We'll uh, we'll learn some more there. We'll, we'll, ha- see, we'll see Indiana's first true road game. First so true road by game. By the time this publishes, either Arch Miller can feel really confident in his group of young players and the way that they can take on an SEC road type environment. Or we're going to figure out that Indiana has some stuff to work on and everyone kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Honestly, inter- neither, inter- neither outcome is super bad, though. No. Like, inter- interesting game either way. Uh, we'll have more content for you next week. It's sure. we, We'll be on Thanksgiving break, but uh, don't worry. We'll have you covered at IDS.com. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, guys, good show. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, for, I'm Ben Portnoy alongside Murphy Wheeler and Cameron Drummond. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Indiana Daily Student It'll be a special men's basketball call podcast call-in type deal. Edition Murphy yeah. can figure out how to use Skype on oh his computer. God. Maybe we can put I a show together for you lovely folks at home. We'll we'll have a nice nice little uh, roundtable discussion for you all. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's that'll do it for the Indiana Daily Student men's basketball podcast presented by TAS College Bookstore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.